and welcome to our What is Possible podcast series. I'm your host, Nazreen Vizram, Head of Charities at Barclays Corporate Banking. In my role at Barclays, I'm proud that we've made a commitment to helping our customers, clients, colleagues and the wider community deal with the unprecedented social and economic crisis caused by COVID-19. This commitment is reflected in our largest ever community relief effort, the 100 million COVID-19 Community Aid Package, which was launched in early 2020 as the scale of the pandemic's impacts were starting to become clear. I'm delighted to welcome two of our charity partners to discuss some of these impacts and the challenges of supporting their communities during this time. Joining me today are Paul Grundy, Senior Partnership Development Manager at Macmillan Cancer Support, and Karen Ruskin, Head of Trusts and Foundations at Teenage Cancer Trust. Paul, Karen, welcome. Thanks, Naz. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, Naz. Brilliant. Well, let's kick off. I'm really, really excited and also really interested to hear from you both today. So this pandemic has not just been a health crisis. We've all seen how it has exposed wider inequalities in our society and had a disproportionate impact on the most vulnerable in our communities. How has COVID-19 impacted the people you work with? So, Naz, we know that three million people across the UK are currently living with cancer. And at Macmillan, we speak to people living with cancer day in, day out, and we've heard loud and clear how the coronavirus pandemic is continuing to affect people's lives. So many of these people are still experiencing delays and disruption with their treatment, and they're not able to get the support that they need. And the emotional impact is continuing to take its toll on people already struggling. And alongside cancellations and delays to cancer services, the pandemic has had a significant impact on household incomes. So for many people living with cancer, this has come at a time when their finances are already under pressure. And one of the stats that we use at Macmillan is that we know that four in five people are financially worse off because of their cancer diagnosis. And the average is around £570 per month, which is comparable to a UK mortgage. So throughout this extremely challenging period, Macmillan is here to do whatever it takes um, to help everyone living with cancer. And that's from financial to emotional support. That can be over the phone or online. And we will genuinely move mountains to make sure everyone feels supported, reassured and informed. So thank you, Paul, for sharing those very stark stats, particularly around 3 million people impacted by cancer and the financial impact of having this illness. Karen, what's it like at Teenage Cancer Trust? Well, yes, a cancer diagnosis is extremely challenging for young people anyway. They're going through major physical and emotional changes, forming relationships, studying for exams and planning their careers. And suddenly their whole world is turned upside down and they're facing harsh treatments, fatigue, hair loss and infertility or even surgery. But COVID has created an additional strain when they're at their most vulnerable. And most have felt even more isolated due to social distancing and visiting restrictions in hospitals. Teenage Cancer Trust has 28 specialist units in hospitals around the UK for young people with cancer with the support of our nurses and youth support coordinators. 
But during the pandemic, many of our units were repurposed by NHS trusts to accommodate COVID patients. This meant that young people with cancer received treatment at another temporary location. As Paul said, just as challenging is that visiting in hospitals has been very limited during COVID, which for many young people has meant that they have received a diagnosis or treatment without a parent or a loved one there with them. One of our youth support coordinators in Leicester said that if a young person is on end-of-life care, a lot of bucket list activities, such as trips to Disneyland, haven't been possible due to COVID. And the way they grieve for friends who pass away have also been affected by COVID. We've been there to help the young people deal with these really difficult and traumatic issues. Because young people with cancer can be immunocompromised, we've put many of our face-to-face activities and events on hold that they usually would have relied on. But our youth support coordinators have still been there for them using text, phone and Zoom where they can. And we ran national events online. We also launched our first ever online community called Connect, which provides reliable medical information, a safe space for peer support and to contact their health professional. And is a hub for issues relevant to young people on topics ranging from diet and lifestyle to relationships and infertility. But young adults have also talked about their anguish at feeling abandoned by friends during cancer treatment. And in our recent survey, 55% said their friends reduced contact after their cancer diagnosis. And incredibly, 40% said their friends stopped contacting them completely. In response, we launched our friendship campaign. Cancer can have a damaging impact on the mental health of all vulnerable young people. With the added stress of the pandemic, we've been concerned that anxiety, depression and other mental health issues may be exacerbated. Our nurses and youth support coordinators do amazing work every day to support young people emotionally. And we've been running our Not OK campaign to call on the government to ensure all young people with cancer can access a specialist psychologist if they need one, right from the point of diagnosis. I'd just like to read a quote from one young woman helped by Teenage Cancer Trust at the Christie Hospital in Manchester. My mental health was another thing that my youth support coordinator, Laurie, helped me with. I caught coronavirus from one of my housemates after going back to university and was worried about having to isolate and sit in with my thoughts for two weeks. Because my mental health was bad, I overanalyzed and overthought everything. I knew I could reach out to Laurie, though, and she listened to me and set me up with some counselling straight away. I was worried in case the thoughts came back. Laurie told me that I could ring her at any time. That was so powerful. I'm actually lost for words for once, uh, you know, to hear that type of quote. I mean, we've all been impacted um, from a mental health perspective or a well-being perspective, but you know, to have to deal with the prospect of being diagnosed or to live with cancer, I can't imagine what it's been like for the young people that you've been supporting. But it's amazing to hear all the great services and support that you do provide. And I think one thing you've touched on there is that ability to deliver services. And I've seen that across, you know, the entire charity sector, whether they're dealing with cancer to children's services, to health services, whatever it may be, all charities have been impacted by this pandemic around how they're delivering services. Can you share how your staff and volunteers have risen to these challenges? You know, has it has it been difficult to provide help virtually instead of in person? Yes, the impact of COVID on Teenage Cancer Trust was significant. 
60% of our office-based staff were furloughed and those in work had done so remotely from home, but we were still able to meet and collaborate through MS Teams. And of course, as I said, our youth support coordinators were providing most of their support online. Some staff, including our nurses and youth support coordinators, were impacted by COVID personally and needed to cover for each other when their colleagues were unwell or if they were redeployed onto a COVID ward. And in terms of income, Teenage Cancer Trust faced a 50% drop due to the cancellation of face-to-face fundraising, including our sold-out Royal Albert Hall concerts that were all set to raise a million pounds. That was so disappointing. But we did make up much of this shortfall after we launched emergency appeals and took all of our fundraising online, including Facebook challenges, virtual dinners and quizzes, and the Omaze draw on TV. And of course, this incredible donation from Barclays made a tremendous difference too. All this enabled us to protect our frontline staff throughout the pandemic. Thanks, Karen. I've seen that Omaze appeal online and those houses look fantastic. You know, um, if you if you win one through the prize draw, um, really, really cool. So 50% drop in income is pretty stark as well. And great to see how you've risen to that challenge and also how Barclays have supported What about Macmillan, Paul? How have you been able to deliver services? How have you adapted and the benefits of virtual versus in-person support? Yeah, thanks, Naz. Um, It was really interesting to kind of hear from Karen there about feedback on how the pandemic has impacted teenage cancer trust. And, you know, unfortunately, I kind of paint uh, quite a similar pitch at Macmillan around how challenging the last kind of 18 months has been, really. I mean, we knew that when coronavirus hit that, you know, thousands of vital appointments, surgeries and treatments were postponed, cancelled or changed for people living with cancer. And to be honest now, this caused a you know a devastating backlog in cancer care and treatment, exacerbated by fewer people coming forward with symptoms and pauses to screening programmes. And, and the impact on Macmillan has pretty much changed almost everything we do, including how we deliver our services. And this has been the case with face-to-face support services as well. And the restrictions on our activities and a a struggling economy means that we're actually anticipating our income will be down by as much as £100 million by the end of 2022. And this means that we've had to make some extremely challenging decisions to completely close, for example, our mobile information and support services, removing our fleet of vehicles off the road. And in Brighton, for example, at our Macmillan Horizon Centre, services such as benefits, advice and counselling had to move online or via the phone. However, we're a, a hardy bunch at Macmillan and you know we're continuing to do whatever it takes to support people living with cancer through our vital services, such as our Macmillan support line and our, and our online community. And I'm sure Later on in this podcast, we'll touch upon the impact of Barclays funding on on those two vital services that we provide. But our support line provides emotional, clinical, practical and financial support seven days a week. And our online community, for example, has a forum of over 90,000 members who understand what it's like to have cancer and are able to kind of provide support in just that, an extremely supportive environment 24 hours a day. And alongside the physical and emotional effects, we know the devastating impact that a cancer diagnosis can have on an individual's finances. 
And I touched upon that, you know, average of £570 uh, figure before, but many are left in a very serious financial situation and more worrying still facing a reduced quality of life or, or negative impact on their mental and physical health. And especially on their mental health, which has been so high on, on everyone's agenda throughout the last 18 months. And we expect the number of people with cancer requiring financial support to increase significantly as you know the whole UK recovers and more people are diagnosed with cancer and treatment continues to be delayed. So this combined with the financial impact, many are also facing from cutting down or stopping work and managing increased costs from their diagnosis means financial pressures on people with cancer will almost be worse now more than ever we've seen before. And the job retention scheme, which has now been extended until the end of September, this raises the prospect of further job losses later this year. And as a result, people with cancer and those caring for them are likely to have increased financial needs. And Naz, I wonder if I could just perhaps touch upon one of the services that we developed at Macmillan called our telephone buddying service, if that would be okay? Of course, Paul, please love to hear more about that. Great. So our telephone buddying service was born out of Macmillan really wanting to do everything we could to support people living with cancer throughout the pandemic. And of course, as I touched upon before, we know that thousands of those individuals were in a very tough situation and having to, to self-isolate. But really to make sure someone is in you know the best possible frame of mind they can be when they're experiencing a very difficult you know, situation that, that is cancer, we set up our telephone buddying program. And as I say, that we know that kind of going through cancer can be a very isolating experience at any time. And again, especially when social distancing and our telephone buddying program is a free service. And what we do is we kind of match the person living with cancer with someone who understands what they would be going through um, and they would receive a weekly call uh, from that telephone buddy. And that buddy would be a, a listening ear. They'd be ready to talk about how that person was feeling and the support needs during, as I say, the incredible difficult time that COVID has presented on all of us. Those buddies could also let um, individuals know about the services that Macmillan were able to provide just to ensure that people with living with cancer didn't face their diagnosis alone. And really delighted, actually, that we had seven members of the kind of Barclays family come forward as become Macmillan buddies and make a massive, massive difference. So if we do have any of those individuals listening to the podcast today, I'd just like to say a huge thank you on behalf of everyone at Macmillan. And you know, you've really made a, a massive difference and continue to do so actually. Fantastic to hear, Paul. And I'm glad Barclays were able to support not just from a financial perspective, but actually volunteering, which is very much one of our key values. I think listening to you, Paul, as well, you know, the word resilience comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> because it sounds like Macmillan has had to make some really, really tough decisions and will continue to do so as, for example, the job retention scheme ends and as we progress throughout this year, but as we head into 2022. But innovation also comes to mind, Paul, in the way you've adapted and changed and still supporting your beneficiaries and those you know suffering with cancer in any way or shape that you can so i think you know for me those are two great words that i talk about a lot resilience and innovation because they're definitely what i'm seeing across the sectors so you both touched upon the barclays community aid package yeah which you were both beneficiaries of, which, you know, congratulations. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's had a real positive impact. How has that package helped your community so far? Paul, what has that package been able to do for Macmillan? 
Yeah, Naz, I mean, you know, before I get into the kind of detail of the impact that that's had, can I just say that when we got the notification from Barclays, you know, it was fantastic. Karen, it must have been exactly the same at Teenage Cancer Trust. Yes, definitely. To get that call to say that Barclays were willing to support Macmillan was really one of the kind of highlights of, of my year. So, I mean, Naz, let me let me kind of touch upon, you know, the impact that uh, the Barclays COVID-19 Community Aid Grant has had. And hopefully you'll be delighted to know that it's genuinely had a kind of transformative impact on the lives of thousands of people living with cancer and on our Macmillan direct services, which as I've touched upon, you know, are in real need of support. And so we use the funds that Barclays provided us to support four key areas uh, of the organisation. The funds were used to invest in our cancer information support specialists. They were used to invest in our welfare rights advisors. They were used to provide a, a lifeline to people living with cancer that is a Macmillan grant. And you know, the funds also really helped us develop our online community. So first of all, like the Macmillan support line provides a, a real lifeline for people living with cancer throughout the UK. And, you know, as I've touched upon, a, a cancer diagnosis is a really kind of life-changing event in itself. But it's that kind of navigation of a cancer experience during the kind of COVID-19 pandemic that adds, you know, a particularly complex dimension to an already you know, very, very challenging and difficult situation. And at the start of the pandemic, the Macmillan support line had to rapidly transition to remote working to ensure that all our essential phone line services could continue to support people living with and affected by cancer during this challenging time. And I have to say, you know, I don't work directly on the support line myself, but I'm very close to some of the individuals that do. And I'm incredibly proud to work for Macmillan and to see the way that that team kind of mobilized, you know, at the very start of the pandemic. First area that, you know, the Barclays COVID-19 Community Aid Grant supported was our cancer information support specialists. And the grant funded seven newly created posts on our Macmillan support line. And our cancer information support less, uh, specialists are, are perhaps needed now more than ever. Um, and across the funding period, so across the six months, these roles allowed Macmillan to support, on average, 1,671. I say on average, but that's pretty precise, isn't it? <laughs> uh, extra contacts, calls, and, and web chats per month, uh, providing knowledge and support to people living with cancer. And so covering the entire funding period from October 2020 to March 2021, the support of our cancer information support specialists actually allowed Macmillan to handle over 10,000 extra interactions with people living with cancer. That's amazing. And that was all down to kind of Barclays funding. So that was particularly incredible. From a welfare rights advisors angle, so we know, and as I've said before, the kind of devastating impact that a cancer diagnosis can have on in, an individual's finances. And touching upon that stat again that I mentioned earlier in the podcast about four in five people are financially worse off and lose on average £570 a month. This is where our welfare rights advisors really come to the fore in being able to kind of unlock those unidentified financial gains. Again, the kind of support from Barclays enabled us to fund uh, 10 new welfare rights advisors, and they incredibly managed to unlock over £1,300,000 per month 
of additional financial gains for people living with cancer. And again, the overall impact over the six months is even more incredible as that group of 10 individuals managed to unlock over £8 million worth of additional financial gains, which again, without Bikely's support, just wouldn't have been able to, to be possible. That's phenomenal, right? Eight million pound in benefits. I mean, that must have been pretty life changing for those people who were, you know, suffering from that financial impact. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really quite hard to put that into words. And that's just how kind of transformative that extra financial support could be. And I'll just kind of quickly touch upon, you know, the Macmillan grants side of things as well. So Macmillan grants are one-off means-tested payments that help with the immediate needs of people living with cancer. So they can use these grants on things that you know would be of benefit to them, such as specialist equipment, utility and, and food bills, um, transport to hospital appointments, uh, IT equipment, you know, helping and enabling the most vulnerable to access a virtual, emotional and, and, and practical support. And over the six month funding period, the Barclays Community Aid Grant enabled us to kind of give out just short of 500 grants to people living with cancer. And that, as I said, helps play a, a vital role in helping to alleviate some of the financial pressure and worry for people living with cancer during the pandemic. And very, very finally, the, the final part of our funding was steered towards helping the development of our online community. And this is a kind of online community that offers 24-7 peer-to-peer support for over 90,000 users. And we use some of those funds to really help our marketing campaign around the online community to hopefully signal loud and clear that we had this service that was available, as I say, 24-7 to people living with cancer. It was fantastic to hear a, a direct quote from Karen earlier in the podcast from someone that they support at Teenage Cancer Trusts. And I've got a few quotes from some of our online community users. One person living with cancer says, nobody judges or expects anything. We're just all trying to get through the worst pain of our lives, but together we're stronger, not every day, but some days. And those days really count. And someone else says, you know, your words are so kind. I will take everything on board that you have said. It's nice to know someone is listening and offering advice. I think that coming to this forum will help immensely. And I have finally admitted my emotional side. And even though that's been particularly challenging, I'm okay and will keep putting that smile back on my face. And I think that that just shows how crucial that service is. So yeah, a very long summary from me now, but I have to say, you know, as I said at the very, very start, it's been fantastic. We've loved working with Barclays. And yeah, I don't think I can say anything else other than like a massive, huge thank you for all your support. It's been amazing. Well, you know, it's certainly made me feel very humbled and even more proud to work for an organisation like Barclays when I hear the impact of what our community aid package has done um, and for Macmillan. And I'm sure equally for Teenage Cancer Trust, Karen, can you share some of the impacts that the package has had for you? Yes, I mean, we had to significantly reduce our costs at Teenage Cancer Trust. So we were really delighted to receive the Barclays donation just when we needed it most. And this secured the future of six youth support coordinators in the Manchester Royal and Christie Hospitals in Manchester and the Order Hay in Liverpool. 
Now, you support coordinators, support teenagers and young people with cancer during and after diagnosis, increasing their resilience, supporting their mental health and well-being, which was even more important during COVID. And the young people were able to take part in our first ever virtual Find Your Sense of Tumour weekend in December, an event that was named by young people themselves. In total, the grant supported around 400 young people from the northwest of England from September through to this February. More than 90% of young service users agreed that their youth support coordinator helped them feel less anxious and stressed, helped them feel more confident in themselves and a whole lot more. So this incredible donation became a lifeline for the young people we support during the COVID crisis. I can't thank Barclays enough. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm really glad to see that the package enabled you to fund charity youth support coordinators, which are so needed, it sounds like, within your organisation and provided some incredible support to, to the young people that you're supporting. I think in terms of you know looking at the package more widely, I mean, it's a global package. We've supported charities, not just here in the UK, but also in India, for example, and in the US. We've actually launched a lovely report. It's on our Barclays website for anyone interested in finding out more. It highlights all the impacts, not just for yourselves, but you know, providing meals, PPE, supporting homelessness, supporting those uh, victims of domestic abuse and also frontline workers in the NHS. There's lots of great examples of how our community aid packages supported the charity sector more widely. So let's just briefly touch on the future then. We're hearing a lot about building back better and we've seen how businesses and the government, also charities themselves, um, reassess their relationship with the wider world. And a few weeks ago, we ran an event for charities on the power of collaboration. And again, I see that as one huge success in this in this last 16 months around collaborations, charities and government working together, um, building that scale bringing skill sets together, looking at resources and just thinking differently about how we can, you know, make a wide positive impact by working together. Is that something that you will continue to focus on as you look to the future? I agree with you. Collaboration is a uh, is a key thing for charities and especially in the cancer space. We're actually starting on a, a project to flesh out Macmillan's offer to smaller national charities to be able to support different communities uh, across the UK. And we're very early into a partnership with Cancer Black Care and Black Women Rising. Oh, wow. Where we're looking to provide you know, additional support for them to improve their services uh, for their members. And from these partnerships, you know, we're really eager to learn how we adapt Macmillan's services to ensure we're relevant and there for all communities. I mean, that's incredibly important to us. And obviously, Naz, these are our first partnerships in the kind of race space. We will look to kind of broaden that offer to to other organisations too. So I think it's actually a case of, of kind of staying tuned for further updates on that. But then you also talked about another word, which I'm, I'm hugely keen on in Macmillan and something which I think is really important for all of us at the moment. And you mentioned the word community. We're so lucky in the UK that we have this kind of natural inbuilt fighting spirit that always 
seems to help build a sense of community and belonging. And and didn't we see just that during the pandemic? We absolutely did, didn't we? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. When millions of us, you know, like clapped for carers uh, and even at Macmillan, when thousands of our supporters, you know, switched from holding a a normal coffee morning, for example, in the office uh, to actually a socially distanced coffee morning. Who thought that would ever be a thing, hey? (laughs) But yeah, like who'd have thought that would have been a possibility? And hundreds more, they found Thousands more people kind of reached out to Matt and seeking volunteering opportunities because we're a caring nation, right? And that was actually really lovely. So despite the doom and gloom of the pandemic, you know, we took some real encouragement that people really wanted to get behind Matt Millen and continue to support people living with cancer. Now, what I would say is that the last 18 months has been unprecedented. Everyone at Macmillan is 100% united in our vision and our belief to build back better And we're going to do that with heart, strength and ambition to deliver the very best possible support for people living with cancer. I don't think I can add anything to that, Paul. That was a really lovely vision statement. And you're absolutely right about communities pulling together because it was so heartwarming to see how not just global communities, but local communities coming together to really support each other during what was, you know, a really difficult time and still continues to be as we look forward. Yeah. Karen, what about Teenage Cancer Trust? What what are the plans for the future? Yes, I mean, Teenage Cancer Trust has always worked alongside Macmillan Nurses and a whole host of other charities, both in hospitals and local communities. Mm -hmm. But in February this year, we developed particularly close relationships and partnerships with two other charities called uh, Young Lives Versus Cancer and Ella MacArthur Cancer Trust. And we felt by joining forces, our three charities will increase our impact reducing duplication, and we'll have a shared voice on issues that matter most to children and young people with cancer. So working together can be more cost efficient and have greater impact. And as I said, Teenage Cancer Trust have been hit financially, and we've been testing digital fundraising, and we continue to roll out successful programs and diversify our income streams which would protect our income during future surges in COVID. And last year, we also had a staff reorganisation. So we feel that now we are more agile and fit for whatever the future holds. So to protect our services for young people with cancer. That's that's amazing, Karen. And, you know, lovely to see charities working together and pooling resources and efficiencies, as you say. So, look, you know, I think I could talk to you both all day, but um, this is a podcast and unfortunately it has to draw to a close. But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing some of the wonderful work you've been doing in your communities. It's just been really heartwarming and humbling to hear. And I'm so glad that Barclays have been a part of this journey and and will continue to be because it looks like the impact of our package long-term and has been really impactful. And I just want to wish you both all the success for the future. And I will be watching from afar to see how, you know, your impact and your journey develops. So thank you so much for your time. 